As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And it is time to go back on the 2024 recruiting trail yet again. I know what you guys are thinking. How in the world are we already back uh, on this 2024 trail? But things are heating up. And right before the dead period, it'll get a little bit silent here over the next few weeks. Um, until you know they get into the month of June, but right before the end of the spring here, Carolina, of course, hosting their spring game on Saturday. There will be a bunch of guys that will be in attendance for that, um, but they do have two new commitments that we have to talk about since the last time that we were on here. They do have another quarterback target that is off the board, and so where does Carolina go from there? And we also have a great interview for you with the head coach of one of the guys that is committed to this Tar Heel class. Also, he's a former Tar Heel player, Gene Robinson the third. You won't want to miss that coming up later on in this edition of the show. But uh, Zach Hubbard is back with us for this edition. And uh, Zach, you know, I know it's only been about a week here since we last talked to each other, but uh you know, how do you feel about where the Tor Heel recruiting class stands today? You know, some some uh, guys getting some rankings that are coming in. And now uh, Carolina, believe it or not, a team that for the time being is inside of the top 10, according to the 24-7 sports composite team rankings. Uh, that has to at least, uh, you know, get, get Tor Heel fans feeling a, a little encouraged about what this staff is doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as we've discussed previously, you know, this staff wants to um, make their selections and they want to, you know, act quickly here, not out of any sense of urgency, but just because they want to feel good about the guys that they have and they want to get those guys on board as quickly as possible to sort of create a sense of urgency with some other guys. Uh, you know, they want to create this sense of, you know, you might miss out if you don't join and become a part of this. So, you know, as we We've discussed previously, it's always moving forward. And it seems like when it gets to these, you know, these times of the year, whether it be, you know, in the spring or in the summer or even in the fall, where guys start, you know, making their commitments and then you see more commitments on top of that. And it just sort of snowballs. Well, it feels like we're in one of those periods right now. Yeah. And I think, you know, the thing is, is what you're seeing 
from Carolina here early on is they're kind of trying to build the depth of the class before they sort of bring in the headliners. And I think that's kind of different from what we've seen before. And I think that might be why some people are a little bit worried, um, especially after, you know, Carolina missed on, on KJ Jackson, which we'll, we'll talk about it here a little more in depth in terms of the quarterback position specifically but it feels like a lot of people since then have sort of started to panic and have said look you know Carolina is just not landing the big fish well Carolina is in the running for some of those guys and look I, I think you look at you know some of the the types of players that Carolina has been bringing in over the last few seasons in their recruiting classes yet Carolina's really not in you know, that they're not recruiting at that level. Um, you're not seeing the big fish out of the state of Virginia that Carolina uh, is really, you know, leading for, which is something that really they had two straight classes. And I think people kind of got used to that in terms of the in-state prospects. You know, there, there are a lot of talented guys. They missed on the top rated player in the state and Jaden Davis. But again, it's it's not nearly as talented as we've seen in years past. So Carolina is having to go outside of the state. And I think really what they're having to do is really dig deep with some of their evaluations. And the other thing to realize is that, look, they have a lot of new pieces to this coaching staff. A lot of guys that are, you know, a bit of a question mark when it comes to what they're going to do possibly, you know, at this level. Um, you know, at this stage in their career, that that's what I think you're seeing with a guy like Randy Clements, although I think he's done a really good job so far. There's questions about guys like Freddie Kitchens, who's coming in, who has, you know, not really been that that involved in the college game uh, in a very long time. I mean, he was with South Carolina last year, but it was a rather minimal role. And then a guy like Chip Lindsey. Um, who is, you know, right now probably the biggest unknown on this entire coaching staff, considering the fact that, you know, he has had two offensive coordinator jobs uh, on Gus Malzahn's staff at Auburn and UCF, respectively. Both times he's been stripped of the play calling duties. And in between there, he was a head coach with Troy, but he didn't really have all that much success. So I think that's the thing that Carolina is trying to currently navigate at this point. Um, and it'll be interesting, but again, Carolina continuing to do work and really it seems like the focus so far has been on the offensive line. Um, if you go off of what multiple sites are listing these guys as Carolina landed two more offensive linemen in this class, meaning that over uh, 50% now of this class is offensive line so uh the first one Aiden Banfield out of Mill Creek High School in Houston Georgia uh, this one's big for multiple reasons first of all another interior offensive lineman and a guy that I really like I think he's a, an underrated player and is someone to really keep an eye on but you know Zach the other thing is is that we've talked about the state of Georgia being so huge one of the schools that I feel like Carolina has to really start establishing a pipeline with if they want to have success in the state of Georgia is Mill Creek. It's a team that's produced a lot of really talented players. That's where you saw, um, you know, Caleb Downs uh, come out of that Carolina was in the running for for a little bit, Josh Downs' his brother. Um, and, and that's an area that I think Carolina has to get used to recruiting at a high level. So this is a really nice one for Carolina to bring in, if anything, because it helps them to sort of establish a pipeline to a school that is starting to produce consistently year in, year out, some of the best talent in that state. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just with Banfield, you know, at the front end, like you mentioned, really more of an interior guy, but really shows some good movement in space, pulling, really, you know, has a high motor, a high level of aggression, wants to get involved in the ground game, which is something you always like to see, you know, from an offensive guard. Um, a, a little bit on the shorter side, it's 6'3", so it's sort of, you know, limited in where he can go. He's a, he's a guy you probably wouldn't project as kicking out, but another guy that, you know, like you mentioned, specifically on that offensive line, uh, when 
new offensive line coach Randy Clements was hired, we sort of got the impression of, you know, this is a guy that's worked maybe at schools that, you know, are not getting those five-star guys that are getting sort of the, you know, the other options at offensive line is picking the guys that he wants and is developing them, you know, into high-level producers at the college level. Did that at Old Miss, did that at Houston, uh, I believe Baylor as well. So um, this is, Basically, we're seeing that in action where he's choosing the guys that he wants. He's zeroing in on them and he's getting their commitments. I mean, they've already gotten, you know, like you mentioned, over half of their class is offensive linemen or potential offensive linemen. So, um, you know, Banfield's just another one, uh, you know, to add to the mix there. They want to get a good number of those in this class. So they get another good one here. And like you mentioned, you know, Mill Creek there in Georgia, sort of that uh, Atlanta metro areas where you see a lot of, um, you know, the high school talent sort of uh, sort of pool in the state of Georgia, not necessarily in, in Atlanta proper, but in sort of the suburbs surrounding there. And, you know, uh, Hoshton, Georgia, where Mill Creek is located, sort of fits that mold. And then not only, you know, in classes to come, but in this class, there's other guys that they're going to want to look at, probably some, you know, that we'll mention to some degree down the line um, in the future. Uh, but, you know, other recruits, uh, defensive back specifically, um, Two out there, Jaden Patterson and one, and uh, Trazon Dreco, another uh, cornerback and a safety um, out of Mill Creek that North Carolina is recruiting in this class. So you're exactly right. You know, the state of Georgia in last year's class and this year's class is going to be important. And it's going to be important, you know, to have those connections in Mill Creek, not only this year, but in years to come. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of the evaluation of them, I think. You know, all the stuff that you said, I mean, I, I noticed that immediately. One of the other things I really liked about him, the physicality that he brings to the table. You know, we talked about, um, you know, a couple of the guys that are, are currently committed. You kind of wonder, Luke Masterson's the one that I've got the big question mark on and is just how physical he is because you don't see it show up a lot on tape. Um, Banfield, that that's pretty much his entire tape a uh, ton of pancake blocks uh, really thrives in run blocking scenarios. Um, but he, you know, has that, that nice athleticism um, that allows him to pass protect pretty well. Um, his lateral movement looked really, really good in, you know, the film that, that he has from his junior season. Um, and he has pretty powerful hands and that's what I think makes him a really, really solid pass protector. And that's the thing. Not only does Carolina need guys that can run block at those guard spots, that, that's really the main thing that they need from those guys, but they also need them to hold up in pass protection because each of the last two years, that's been an area where Carolina's really, really struggled um, outside of Joshua Azudu. You know, Ed Montalus has been out there for two years now, and both years, he has really, really struggled as a starter, and he's going to be back again this year starting there. Um, would you know? Don't really know if you should expect anything different from that. Uh, William Barnes, really the same issue for him. You know, started out the year pretty well last year, got banged up, and that, that could have definitely been part of it, but he still struggled in pass protection at times. So Carolina needs guys that can not only be physical in the run game, but can take care of business in pass protection and it feels like he's able to do that biggest concern with him is you know probably what you see with most linemen coming out of high school um but he's you know 6'3 280 and as a guy that's going to be on the interior he's going to need to put on a pretty decent amount of weight you're probably looking at him trying to get up into about that at least 315 320 range uh so that's going to take him a little bit of time that's why still a developmental guy but like a lot of the tools that he brings to the table. Then Carolina goes into the home state and they go to Pittsburgh, North Carolina, or excuse me, they go to Ramsar, North Carolina, my bad. And they pick up uh, Gianni Norwood, uh, who is listed as an interior offensive lineman out of Eastern Randolph High School, but is a guy that plays both sides of the football. He's a three-year starter on the offensive side of the ball on the interior and has done some really, really good things there. But he is also now transitioned as of last year to playing defensive tackle. And so 
at, you know, reading the article that was written about him on Inside Carolina after he committed, it seems like he is a guy that is going to be given the option as to whether or not he wants to play on the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball. Um, you would imagine that, of course, Carolina will evaluate him, and if they feel like he fits another one spot better than the other, that he will. But he said, I have talked to uh, both the offensive line coach, Randy Clements, as well as the defensive line coach, Tim Cross. So he has a relationship with both guys and uh, felt like after he was on campus, this was the best spot uh, to sort of help him when it comes to making that decision uh, playing at this level. You know, Zach, this is this is a real interesting one. It feels like it's been a while since we've seen one of these types of players. We've seen guys that have made that move back and forth before. Um, I mean, believe it or not, at one point, a guy that became a really solid offensive lineman for Carolina, R.J. Prince, actually moved uh, between the two sides of the ball. Most recently, Wisdom Osaburo did that. Um, but, you know, this one, this one's a little unique with a guy coming into – uh, his senior year uh, committing to Carolina, but as a guy that, you know, could still be trying to figure out what position he ultimately lands at. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is one of the keys to think here, uh, to think about here is that he is sort of figuring out where he wants to fit. Now, like you mentioned, did spend most of his high school career thus far at offensive line, but has started to play defensive line is open to both, but I think they're at least to begin with going to look at him as a defensive lineman like him there right now, specifically sort of at that nose guard spot. And while the tape is limited there, you do sort of see those tools, which is pretty typical of, you know, guys that play on the interior. You can see the size, you can see the power that they play with. You can see sort of that aggression. And it's one of those things where it can be sort of an easier transition than maybe other positions because it is one that, you know, it, it, it's close together. Offensive and defensive line are naturally sort of, you know, bound together as they're the ones interacting on the field the most. So it, it's one that sort of is, it's a natural change if that's one you're, that you're going to make. And I think probably with his senior season, he's going to play that defensive line spot a little bit more. And then, you know, when he gets to Carolina, they'll probably sort of feel him out as to where he's going to fit in. Now, you know, with those guys that you mentioned, there have been guys that have sort of flipped back and forth between offensive and defensive line. Most of the time when you do that, at least at the college level, it's because you're having trouble finding a spot for that guy to fit in. Generally, you know, you have a good idea where you're going to put a guy at first. And then, you know, if you're figuring out, it means it probably didn't work out with the first one. Well, you know, with Norwood, it seems like they're sort of doing that at the high school level to some extent. And then, you know, in high school anyway, you're playing both ways generally because, you know, you're one of the most talented guys on your team at your school it's not like college where everyone there is you know a college level player so um i i think that you know he is probably still going to play both ways but i think he's going to get a little bit more of that experience on the defensive line and when he shows up in chapel hill i think he'll probably start out there at that nose guard position and then we'll see what happens from there yeah i think the evaluation is really based on what do you, do you think ultimately provides him with the best upside? Because if you're just going off of what he has done so far and really what you saw on his junior film, I would say it's it's very evident that he is an offensive lineman as of right now. I mean, you, you see, you know, some of the tape from him on the defensive line. I think a lot of it is the fact that um, you know, he, he is playing against less than stellar competition. I think that's one of the bigger concerns with him is that the uh, competition that he plays is um, probably, you know, one, one of the worst of anybody that is committed to this class. Um, and I think the thing is, is you see him sort of work by guys really easily. And now part of that could be that he really is that good of a player, but we'll, we'll have to see um, the things, you know, the reason why, and, and ultimately this is the thing, they're not asking me what they should ultimately do with him but if for some reason they came to me and asked me well, what do you where do you think that he should play um I, I think right now you look at how good of a run blocker he is 
Um, and I think he's he's phenomenal just from watching it. Um, you know, there there are so many reps of him just wa- completely washing defensive linemen out. Um, and he uses the upper body strength. He's got heavy hands. I think that works out really well for him. But the thing is, is you, you could say, hey, eventually that's probably going to translate over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, I, you know, I just like I like the footwork as well on the offensive side of the ball. So I, I think one of the things that'll be interesting is to reevaluate him early on, you know, in this season. You know, he's one of those guys that I would really love to, if I could, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to because of my job. It's not like, you know, a few years ago when I was able to travel a little bit easier. But if it was a few years ago, that would probably be one of the first guys I'd want to go watch a game in person and see, you know, him play a complete game and and, and see where I think he really fits the best. Because I think he's going to have an offseason of work, um, and, and it, it'll really – sort of change probably the the, the perspective of, of where exactly he fits and maybe make this more of a conversation. But um, yeah, I, I think one of the things that, that I really like about this is it provides versatility here uh, because Carolina could definitely use the help on the interior of the offensive line. They need depth there. Um, but at the same time, you know, that's, it's not in a spot where, uh, they're in dire need because of the guys they've already landed in this class. And if he can help them on the interior of that defensive line, that could be huge as well. So I think either way you go, uh, this is really going to work out for Carolina. What they're looking at with him is a guy with a lot of upside. But as I mentioned, he played at, at a level at in high school um, that is that, that's not going to test him nearly as much as he's going to need to be tested if he's going to make an early impact. He's going to be a guy that is going to take some time to develop. Uh, you combine that with the fact that he is going to still probably tr- be trying to figure out that position – this is a guy that you have to be patient with if you are a Toriel fan. You shouldn't be expecting him to come in and make a major impact, but still a guy that people should be excited about uh, and hopeful that you know he, he can be a guy that can contribute either uh, on the interior of the offensive or defensive side of the football. So that's your look at the two committed guys in the class that Carolina has landed here recently. Now... It is time to set the stage, guys. Coming up next, Gene Robinson III. He's a former Toriel, a guy that played defensive back under Butch Davis, Everett Withers, and eventually Larry Fedora. You'll hear him talk about that, but I'll also talk about a guy that Carolina landed in their recruiting class just a couple of weeks ago in Daniel Anderson. Hear why he thinks Daniel Anderson is a guy that's going to translate very well to the college level. Stick around for that and much more right here on this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast back right after this. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcast all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter, at HeelToughBlog on Twitter. Make sure you give it a follow, and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog, at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself, at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at HackZubber2 for our recruiting analyst, Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back into the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And we go uh, to the guest line to bring in a guy that is a former Tar Heel and is the coach of a new Tar Heel commit, another Tar Heel target that they are going after in the 2025 class. And we bring him on now. It is Gene Robinson the third. And Coach, uh, how's it going, man? I know it's uh, got to be a little bit of a crazy time here. It's in the middle of spring, getting re- your guys ready uh, for another season out there in the Memphis area. But uh, we appreciate you joining us, and I uh, hope you've been well. 
And I have been well, man. Everything's going great. Uh, we actually just got uh, done matching today. So uh, we saw the game that you would like to see. And I'm super excited for our guys. Ready to get into uh, the spring football part of our deal. Uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing some guys grow. Looking forward to seeing some guys in some roles um, that they got in so far. So. We're super excited in Memphis, man. I've seen you're extremely proud for Daniel Anderson. He deserves everything that's coming his way um, with his work ethic and, and how he goes about doing things. Um, I like to call Daniel an extra guy. He's a guy who's going to stay late, get a little extra work, you know what I mean? So I'm super proud of him, man. I think he definitely deserves it. I think he'll, he'll, uh, he'll make part of that nation proud. Well, you know, let's talk about him real quick here off the top. You know, he, he ends up committing to Carolina last week. And, you know, w- when he came to you and told you that that ultimately was going to be his decision, you know, what was your reaction being a former Tar Heel and, um, you know, a guy that now now is coaching uh, guys at this high school level? That had to be a pretty cool moment for you. Yes, indeed, man. Uh, I, I was super excited, you know what I mean, uh, he was just blown away by, by, by the hospitality of Tar Heels, man, and how they, man, you know, it was a, a walk, and, and hey, they, I, we want you here, and we want you here now, you know what I mean? So, he was blown away by that. Obviously, he, he understands the education, you know, he has two great parents, and they understand the degree from a Carolina, what the education from uh, Carolina brings, and obviously the football part, um, he loves that as well, so we like I can't miss deal. You know, uh, this is everything he wants in the school, so why not? You know. Yeah, now, you know, looking at him as a player, you know, he, he watching his film, you know, a guy that's a little a little smaller in frame, but really kind of fits what Carolina probably wants in their edge rushing group. He'll probably have to put on a little bit of weight, but ultimately, you know, when you look at him, you know, is he a guy that you think can thrive at the next level as an edge rusher, or is he maybe a guy that, prob- that, that could eventually play inside? Because one of the things I really liked about him was how he was able to beat tackles across their face and, and, and beat them uh, to the inside as opposed to really just thriving off of trying to beat guys around the edges. Correct, man, correct. I, I think, you know, I, I, I think uh, Daniel, obviously, at the high school level, we play four eyes in our odd part, man, and he dominated, you know, uh, lined it up in four, lined it up in the four eyes, he tackled across his face. Either way, um, his quickness off the ball, you know, mm-hmm. physicality, all things that stand out uh, for Daniel. So I think, man, he'll be able to adjust playing on the edge. Uh, the six two two forty, so he's he's able, he's inside, ready to play right now on the edge. Obviously, if they wanted to keep him inside, then he would need to gain some weight. But I think the thing about Daniel's playing is he's able to do so. Um, and one thing about Daniel's work ethic, man, is, is, is I stand on the table for that. Is he's a guy, man, who just refuses to be denied. Uh, Daniel only started playing football in middle school, second grade. Um, so for, before then, he's he, he a, uh, a, a smart guy, you know what I mean? Like, like a, a, a guy who, 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 who studies science, a guy who wants to know uh, things of that nature. And, and uh, so Daniel's a unique kid, man, but he, he wants to win. He's a winner. He has a winning mentality. So he goes about it with that, um, I, I have to win. I, he refuses to be denied. Well, let me ask you about another one of your guys in the 2025 class that Carolina just recently offered in Jamarian Morrow. Uh, you know, when you look at him, you know, still a, a guy that's, uh, you know, a year behind Daniel, but a four-star prospect, a guy that I think is going to get a lot more buzz than uh, Daniel has gotten so far. So clearly Carolina has a little bit more work to do here. But really just focusing on him as a player, you know, a smaller guy, 5'10", 180. But, you know, when you look at him, what's so special about him? Why is he a guy that's already being rated high as a prospect in the 25 class? So Samaria, man, is a guy Obviously, he's young, but he's played a lot of football for him. Uh, 
That's amazing, especially for a guy that's, you know, of smaller stature as he is. Well, you know, look, let, let's go to your time at, at Carolina and talk a little bit about, um, you know, you being a, a former Tar Heel. You know, you were there during one of the, you know, diff, the, the up, most up and down eras that you can really ever go through at Carolina because, of course, you were a guy that was brought in by Butch Davis. You were on that 09 team. Um, and then, you know, you really started making an impact in 2010. Um, and, and 2011, and then of course we're still there for the transition into the first year of Larry Fedora. So when you look back at your time there, you know you had three different head coaches. I mean, what, what was it like playing during that chaotic time, and why did you stick with Carolina through all that? Uh, obviously, uh, the time was different. Um, I, I go back to the recruiting process. Uh, my dad wanted me to pick a school where uh, without football, you know, you will be successful. Um, you, you would like the school, you would like to be there, you would like the people around the school. So Carolina was my pick, uh, and, and it stood it stood, stood tall through thick and thin, you know what I mean? Just uh, going through all that adversity, having three different head coaches, having three different position coaches, having three different strength coaches, you know. Um, all those things, you know, you, you wouldn't want as, 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 a, as a player. But, however, man, my, my brothers are still my, my best friends today. Um, and, and, you know, I wouldn't trade that experience for nothing in the world. Well, one of the things I got to ask you about is, is that Music City Bowl, probably one that I, I know for me, especially as a young fan at the time, um, one of my favorite memories. You guys go there to, to, to you know, Nashville, take on Tennessee, and you win with a game-winning field goal. You know, what do you remember about that? And the thing, you, you, how special was that for you guys to cap off that season with everything that was going on around the program? to cap it off in, in that fashion. Oh, man, that's, that's one of the most memorable games uh, of my life for all these reasons. You know, we were actually back home, uh, so it was, it was really exciting. Um, but, you know, that, that was a really talented Tennessee team. Um, and, and obviously, we were talented as well. Uh, obviously, beginning of the year, things didn't go our way. You know what I mean? But, suspension and things of that nature, but I thought we competed all year at a high level, um, and I thought we could just pick that team out with a, with a great victory, you know, and obviously the rules changed after that, but <laughs> I thought that was a, a great deal. Well, then, you know, wanted to ask you about the next year, so Everett Withers ends up taking over as head coach. You know, when he when they come in and tell you guys that, that Everett is going to be the head coach, you know, what were you guys thinking in, in the locker room at that time? Because it, you go from a guy in, in Butch Davis that, um, you know, is, is as well known as just about any coach in college football at that time, and now you've got a guy in, in Everett Withers who's a relative unknown that steps into that role. But it really seemed like you guys sort of rallied around him that year and, and still found a way to have a really successful year amidst all the chaos. Yes, indeed. I, I, obviously, uh, Eric Wilson's been our defensive coordinator. We, we're very excited, you know what I mean? Uh, man, he's a great coach, um, guy who really understands the game, and a guy who puts guys in position to make plays. So uh, we were excited, man, uh, to go out and get involved with our guys, you know what I mean? It's, it's one thing about Carolina is a brotherhood, man. And we're extremely close to one another. So we play for each other, man. We play for our coaches. 
Let's get things done. Uh, so, yeah, and one of the guys that played on that team with you, um, unfortunately, he just recently passed away, was Abele Okaku. You know, when you when you think of him, what, what are some of the memories that, that, that come to mind about him and your, and your time playing with him at Carolina? Man, Abele was a great guy, man, an extremely great guy, and extremely great talent, you know, uh, very, very good. You know, um, obviously uh, I have him, I have our, his, his family in, in, in my prayers, and, you know, we wish him for the best. But I, I, I you know, I hate him everything. Those are things that go to life, you know what I mean? Man, he was an extremely great guy, man. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, we we I've seen a lot of people saying uh, a lot of similar things, um, and definitely one of those guys that I think you know Carolina fans probably remember as a part of those linebacking cores during that Butch Davis era, um, and and you know still yeah still our prayers uh, with his family now uh, as they still go through uh, their grief period. Um, let's you know end on, on a little bit of a lighter note here. So now that you know you 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 have some guys that are kind of being recruited. You know, what, what is the relationship like with Matt Brown uh, now that he's the head coach? You know, when he first came back, one of the things that he was really talking about was wanting to establish a really strong connection with the Tar Heel football, you know, the former Tar Heel players and everything like that, sort of create a similar environment to what you see with the basketball program. Um, now, I mean, you know, he, uh, my question, I guess, would be, you know, even before this, you know, had you – you know, been feeling that sort of family environment around Tario football from, you know, Mac Brown and everything like that? Yes, yes. You know, I, I, I from afar, I get updates from, from my teammates that live close to him. But, and yes, it, it's definitely a family environment. Um, he welcomes the love. He welcomes the, the old everything back, man. And, and he, he really lays it out, man. And I'm excited for, for our program. I'm excited for the future of our program. And I think we'll have a really, really successful year. I'm looking forward to it. Well, the ultimate question is, now that you've got a guy that's committed, a guy that's being recruited, are you going to be going back to Chapel Hill at some point here in the near future with those guys whenever they're on campus for visits? <laughs> you know, I can only hope so. You know what I mean? I think those those are, are, are reserved for their parents. And, and, you know, I actually want to uh, allow them to enjoy their process. You know, because uh, you only get recruited once. So I, I want them to enjoy their process with their parents and all of that. Uh, but yes, I, I, I love to get back on campus, maybe sometime this summer myself. Obviously, when, when, when our season crank up, um, that's the only thing I'll be thinking about. Mm -hmm. uh, so I won't be on the road. Uh, but like I said, this summer, I, I do want to get back up, you know what I mean? And, and, and enjoy, enjoy camp this man and run into some old buddies. Well, that was really my roundabout way of saying I would hope that we could see you on campus and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, well, hopefully you're able to get back up there really quickly. Though, what, uh, what what about your team this upcoming season? What is the outlook for Germantown? How you feel about the group that you're bringing in? I know it's still early, but you know how you feeling right now in the spring. Well, obviously, um, anytime, I mean, we have two, two guys on our D-line that are power five prospects, so we're excited about that. Uh, we, we, we have a uh, uh, young guy, young talented guy, Mario Morrow, who we're really excited about. So we have talent returning. Obviously, we have to go through the process uh, 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 of becoming a team, becoming one. Uh, we can't only, uh, lean on last year's success. Uh, with our quarterfinals experience, um, uh, I, I, obviously they gave us a taste, but you know we're at the point where we want more. This is my third year coming up into my third year being the head coach here, and uh, just each year we want to get better. You know what I mean? So hopefully we can take that next step, um, and that's what we're really excited about. Uh, obviously, just going through the process and, and, and figuring out—that's the fun part. You know what I mean? So we'll see, man. But we're extremely excited about the pieces that we have. Um, we just got to get it going uh, in one direction. 
Yeah, well, we're, I, I know I'll be following along, keeping up with you guys. I know a lot of Torrio fans will definitely be doing the same, especially now that there is a guy that is committed to the program. So best of luck to you guys this season, and thanks for taking some time with us, Coach. Thank you. All right, you too. Thank you. So we want to thank Gene Robinson the third for stopping by with us. Uh, really appreciate him, you know, jumping on to talk about uh, Daniel Anderson. Of course, uh, that's a guy that I think you know we talked about him on the last edition of the podcast. We think he's a guy that uh, could be developed into a really, really solid player on the edge for Carolina and. Uh, you heard there, Gene thinks the same thing. He thinks he's a guy that can play on the edge. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. And we'll, of course, be monitoring him throughout the season. We'll, of course, also be keeping tabs on what Gene Robinson is doing there. Great to see a former Tar Heel out there, um, you know, sort of spreading what he learned in his time in Chapel Hill um, to the younger generation. And uh, that is a really cool connection um, to Carolina. So hopefully he is able to get on campus at some point, as you heard there, really wanting to get on campus. Hopefully coach is able to get on campus there at some point. Well, Zach, it might seem like deja vu, but we're talking quarterbacks again. Um, And this was something that we said on the last edition you don't really need to be too concerned until they lose KJ Jackson. Well, KJ Jackson took a midweek visit last week to Arkansas. Bunch of crystal balls started rolling in. He announced on Friday that he was going to make his decision on Sunday. And he does end up committing to Sam Pittman and the Arkansas Razorbacks. And so Carolina now is in a little bit of a a little bit of a panic mode, I would think, uh, at the at, at the quarterback position because they're top three guys and guys that it felt like at different points of the races they felt like they had a really good shot with. Jaden Davis is probably the one guy that you always thought, hey, Carolina is in second place in that race. But both Jake Merklinger and KJ Jackson. Carolina felt like at a time they were the leaders for him. And in all three of those races, Carolina finished in second place. And look, you could be, you know, still looking at it as, hey, it's not over until they officially sign that letter of intent. I think at this point, it's hard pressed to think any of those three guys are going to be flipping their commitment. So Carolina now has to look at secondary options. We talked about a few of them on the last edition of the podcast, Zach. But before we start officially diving into the guys that are out there and where Carolina potentially turns next, what how how panicked are you now that we sit here now with not two but three of the Tar Heels' top quarterback targets in the class now officially off the board? I mean, if I was at a five or six before, it's moved to at least a seven or eight, maybe a nine. I mean, I, really, it's hard to say one way or the other um, in in terms of, you know, it, is it impossible for them to get a good quarterback in this class? Well, no, I, I don't think anyone would say that. Does it become, you know, a significant greater concern now than it was previously especially if you want to get one of the guys that are you know a, a four or five star or top you know 500 600 guy well yeah that becomes a greater concern especially because you know quarterbacks tend to commit the earliest out of anyone specifically now in the spring period i mean that's sort of what we're seeing is that the you know the quarterback dominoes are starting to fall as they say and, and guys are you know reserving their spots uh in the 2024 class classes for various schools and thus far you know North Carolina has sort of been left out at this point you know there's not a lot of clear options of guys that they you know can go towards you know that are uncommitted at at the very least limited options of guys that are committed to that they could potentially flip so you know it it, it does feel a little bit dire and it's hard to really say you know what it is I mean we've discussed some reasons that it could be obviously there's questions around new offensive coordinator Chip Lindsay and what this offense is going to be um, there's questions just uh, with the future of North Carolina's football program overall who's going to be the head coach you know over the next three to five years we think that it's going to be Mac Brown really indefinitely and really there's no signs from either Mac or from 
you know, the athletic program overall, that there's going to be a change at that, you know, position, but we don't know. He is over 70 years old at this point. So that's always something that you're going to consider with his age is how much longer can you keep doing this? And that's true for every coach at that age. Um, what is the position of North Carolina's program just in college football overall? Uh, when With Drake Mays not there, you know, where's this program going to be? How are they going to progress? Where's the ACC going to be? I mean, there's all these questions that sort of surround the program right now. So it's very easy to get in sort of this mindset of trying to find the very specific thing that's causing this issue. And um, it can also just be, you know, some bad luck on that regards. That's not what anyone wants to hear in a, you know, recruiting situation, but that can very well be what it is. I mean, you've got a guy in state that you mentioned in Jaden Davis that seemed pretty dead set on going to Michigan and chose them over, uh, you know, a host of other schools chose them over, you know, Georgia chose them over Clemson. So that's not, um, that's not out of place. I would say Uh, specifically when you consider like we've mentioned previously that Michigan went to two straight playoffs. I mean, that that's going to be pretty significant. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then you have other guys um, that we've discussed previously, Jake Merlinger, you know, obviously KJ Jackson here recently that, you know, committed to, um, you know, SEC powers um, or not SEC powers, but sort of mid-level SEC teams, you know, after really good visits and sort of, you know, teams sort of utilizing all their resources uh, to get him there. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's a situation in which it, it's not far-fetched that North Carolina did, did not win these recruitments, you know, when they did not have a clear in-state option that they could go towards outside of Jaden Davis that, of course, uh, chose Michigan. So, you know, they're really going to have to reevaluate their board at this point. They're really probably going to have to go out of state again uh, and use this spring evaluation period to sort of recreate who they're going to want at quarterback, see where they want to go, see where their interest is and, you know, figure out who their guys are going to be. So they are in a difficult spot right now. It's hard to really say why they're in that spot, but regardless of the reason, it's one that they're going to have to figure their way out of if they want to get a, you know, a higher level quarterback in this class. Yeah, the in-state thing is is real interesting because you're right. It is Jaden Davis, and that's it. There is no other quarterback in this state, in this class, um, that is even being remotely talked about at this point. No other quarterbacks are ranked on any of the recruiting sites. So, I mean, look, there may be other guys that end up surfacing, but – you're going to have to wait until the fall for that to happen. And as you mentioned, teams, they it's really important, it feels like, for teams to bring in these quarterbacks as early as possible. Teams want to build classes around quarterbacks, especially if they are highly rated. So it makes sense that Carolina kind of needs to get on their horse here. The thing that I've seen some people saying and I've gotten this question here a couple of times since KJ Jackson's decision, even before it, when it looked like Carolina um, it was ne- was going to miss on him, anyways. A lot of people asking me, well, why does Carolina have to land somebody in this class? We sort of went over it in the last edition, um, why it is so important. But we'll kind of restate it here. You you need in this era of college football more than any. You need to bring in a guy a quarterback in every single class it feels like now i'm not saying that you need to force it you always have the option to make up what you miss out on with the transfer portal always an option down the line but for carolina they that more than anything they need the depth because yeah you've got connor harrell you've got tad hudson both guys that I think are, are are capable of being your starting quarterback in future years. But beyond b- behind them, you've got Jefferson Boaz, who's already a junior. He will be a senior by the time next year rolls around and will only have one year remaining. That's it. He he is not, he will not be coming back. I I don't believe he has a COVID year. It's so difficult to try to figure out. He might, he might possibly, but still, um, you never really know. I mean, keep in mind, he's a guy who has not played. Um, So he could be a guy that 
you know, wants to seek out other options himself, thinks maybe he's a guy that can potentially start at a smaller school. Um, so Carolina has to be prepared for the fact that, you know, any of those guys could possibly transfer. That's the other thing. Connor Harrell, Tad Hudson, they're going to be battling here in, in the spring. Matt Brown says they've been battling. We'll see if that extends into the fall. And, of course, that's going to be a battle that we're going to see again next offseason to try to take the place of Drake May, you would imagine, unless Drake May uh, does, you know, come back for another season, which seems hard-pressed at this point. So, uh, you know, if one of those two guys ends up losing the job and they want to transfer, then you're in a pretty dire situation um, where you're you're basically almost back to where you were a few years ago in your first year under Sam Howell. Remember that the first year under Sam, there was a time period where Vincent Amendola, who was a red, uh, who, who was a walk on, um, w- was the backup quarterback. So that's a that's a situation that you want to be able to avoid if at all possible. And you know we saw it under Larry Fedora towards the end. It's really a big part of what was his undoing was the fact that he was not landing guys at the quarterback position, and the guys that he was landing weren't really all that talented. Um, So I think that's something that Carolina has to be weary of. But when you look at the group of guys that Carolina could potentially go after, I think clearly it starts with the guy that they just recently offered in James Reeser, um, you know, comes out of the state of Florida, out of Jacksonville, committed to Iowa. Little strange, but if you go back and look at his offer list before uh, he committed to Iowa, makes a little bit of sense. It's a lot of small schools. Uh, then you've got, of course, Iowa, Indiana was in there, but it wasn't really a big recru- a big time recruitment. It's a guy that's rated kind of, you know, in the, in that 500s range. So pretty solid, um, has track speed, a guy that can really run with the football um, and is a true, true dual threat. And that's kind of what Chip Lindsay has had in his offenses at Auburn, uh, had in his offense last year at Central Florida to begin the season. So I think that could be pretty attractive um, when it comes to Chip Lindsey's mindset and how he's going to ultimately want to do things with a more run-heavy approach. So he is certainly a guy that I think is worth keeping an eye on. Um, is that the guy that you kind of have at the top of your list right now, Zach, or is there somebody else that's maybe sticking out to you a little more? I think that's got to be at the top of your list just because that's a name that we know that, you know, there's some inkling of interest in at this point. I mean, that that's probably one of the biggest things with the quote unquote quarterback board at this point is that it is, you know, it's bare bones at the moment. You know, they're they're trying to figure out who they're going to go from because they've they've really seen what was their board be basically demolished over the past few weeks in between Jane Davis, KJ Jackson, Daniel Kalen, Jake Merlinger. They thought they were going to get one of those guys and that didn't end up happening. So, you know, they they've really got to start over from scratch. So that's one of the first names I would think of if there's going to be anyone there, but it's really a guessing game at this point, and it's one that they're going to have to make decisions at quickly, and they're going to have to evaluate, you know, not only thoroughly, but timely in order to try to get in the race for some of these guys before, you know, they're left with limited options, whether that be in the summer or in the fall, even, you know, when when sort of most of the guys have already made their decision, and then the ones that might be waiting are more so guys that are looking for NIL opportunities that are going to be hard for really a lot of schools to match. Yeah, and when it comes to the NIL opportunities, look, CBS Sports released something earlier today. Carolina, the team that spent the second most in NIL on recruiting this past season. So uh, that is something that you know, Carolina is apparently using and they need to use to their advantage uh, when it comes to some of these quarterbacks. Reezer's the clear guy to me right now that's probably the main focus of this staff. Um, you know, would it be the number one pick of the guys that um, could be options? No, but 
I think he's the guy that right now, I mean, Carolina is the first team to offer him since he committed to Iowa. So this is, it's not like he's been offered by other schools and has chose not to pursue those. No, this is the first offer that he has received since he committed. So this is a big deal and it'll be important for Carolina to get him on campus. I would assume that he will at least, uh, you know, take a look at Carolina and, and consider them pretty seriously. Because if you look at Iowa, I mean, you, I know they're trying to become a little more modern, but they kept their same offensive coordinator. Iowa's offense has been one of the worst in the country for years now. This past year, it was absolutely awful. Um, so I think if you're just looking at the type of system that's in place, uh, based off of what we've seen, you know, on film, uh, the the success of the offense overall, Carolina clearly holds an advantage. And so I think Reeser is going to have to take that into account. Um, and I, I also think, you know, this is a scenario where, you know, if Carolina turns up the heat, this is, you know, proximity may not be a big deal to him. And Carolina is still not the closest, but it's a heck of a lot closer than Iowa is. Um, you're talking about a guy going from playing in Florida to playing in the Midwest, where we know good majority of their games in the latter part of the season are played in the cold. So maybe a chance to stay in, you know, on the East Coast, still play for a Power Five team, which I think was probably important to him when he did end up um, committing the first time. I think that might be attractive to him and could help Carolina here. Um, some of the other names that I, I think, you know, you have to keep an eye on. One is a guy that is committed. This is a four-star prospect. This dude, to me, no-brainer. If he ends up going back on the market, this should be your number one guy, hands down, no questions asked. That's Dante Reno, uh, who is a South Carolina commit, comes out of the state of Connecticut, actually lives in the state of Massachusetts, but is going to go to uh, Cheshire Academy, him, as well as two other really talented prospects, the Smith brothers, um, guys that Carolina offered a while back. They're not in the race for them, but uh, they are building a little bit of a powerhouse up there in Connecticut. Um, and he is he is incredibly talented. Um, there's a reason why he committed so early to South Carolina. Um, he was recruited there by Dowell Loggins. So it's not like Marcus Satterfield was his primary recruiter. No, Loggins was his guy. And so that's not really the thing that's concerning in terms of him or South Carolina fans thinking that they're going to keep him. The thing that the element that is coming into play is there is a, another guy in this class in Jaden Birchfield who comes out of IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida, but is originally from Chapin, South Carolina. Started his career there at the high school level, spent his first two years there, and then transferred to IMG. And if, if anybody doesn't know, Chapin, South Carolina, literally right outside of Columbia. So he grew up in that area. Um, I'm not really sure from looking at the quotes that he has, you know, said to 24-7 sports, rivals, not really sure if he grew up a South Carolina fan, but I know that there is a pretty strong push from a lot of people in his camp to go and play in the home state to, you know, show out for the home state. And he was a guy that's he's a guy that's a four-star prospect as of right now. I know there were new ratings that were released today. Not really sure uh, if he was a guy that dropped in those, um, but it's really South Carolina and Penn State. Now, the thing is, is that Penn State, they look like they've kind of got their guy already lined up. Michael Van Buren, a guy who, uh, if I remember correctly, if I remember seeing something correctly, he is going to commit here sometime soon. And if he commits to Penn State, they're pretty much out of the question. So then it would seem almost inevitable that he would be a guy that would go to South Carolina. And if he goes there, that adds another really talented quarterback to that room. So... Where does that leave Dante Reno? Because there are so many guys. I mean, for Reno, that'd be the second guy to commit to South Carolina since he committed to South Carolina. Remember, he committed last July. Um, 
to the Gamecocks for this class. Well, since then, Lenore Sellers, who's a guy that was an in-state prospect, um, really, really sort up the recruiting rankings um, in his senior season. A guy that ended up as a four-star uh, after being a three-star prospect for the majority of the way. He's already in there. A couple of guys that were recruited in the years prior. And now, of course, you would have the guy that has also committed, that, that would have also committed in Birchfield. So, It'll be really interesting to see how that dynamic works out. And if he does end up re-entering um, you know, the, the, the uh, group of uncommitted quarterbacks, Carolina could be one that could capitalize. Quietly extended him an offer back in February. Also, Miami did as well. So that's certainly interesting. Could be something to keep an eye on. But ultimately, they probably have to go and offer somebody else in this class to me, there's two guys that really stand out, both from the state of Florida. Talked about Cedric Bailey on the last one, uh, last edition of the pod. Guy that's, you know, got some really good length to him. Uh, you know, had a lot of success at Chaminade Madonna, uh, where Carolina has already landed a guy um, in this class in Davian Gauss. Uh, but, you know, lower level of competition in the state of Florida, uh, but can spin the ball through 45 touchdowns and just five interceptions a year ago. Not nearly as mobile, though, as you would probably like. That leads to the other guy and a guy that I think is a really, really intriguing option, especially after last weekend. That's Trevor Jackson out of West Orange High School um, in, in the state of Florida as well. Um, he, he's a guy that you know, when when you look at his statistics, when you watch his film, he he seems to fit the type of player that you would see in Chip Lindsey's offenses these last few years. Not a huge amount of touchdowns, 16 to 7 touchdown to interception ratio last year. But one of the things that's real noticeable about him when you turn on his film, huge arm. He's He's got the arm talent. I think for him, it's just about getting in a system that's going to fit him real well and allow him to sort of show that off. Um, but the thing is, is that he has started to shine more and more this offseason. He's gone to uh, the Under Armour camp, did really well there uh, in Orlando, and then went back to Orlando and competed this past weekend in the Elite 11 camp and actually earned an Elite 11 invite. So he will be going and participating in the Elite 11 camp with Trent Dilfer and all those guys. That's a huge, that's, that's a huge step for a guy like him. And I think that's the guy that should be on Carolina's radar. I would extend an offer to him as soon as you possibly could. Uh, look, he just recently released a top five. And it's a pretty it, it's a pretty navigatable group. Um, you look at Pittsburgh probably being the biggest uh, obstacle in the way for Carolina. I know Indiana was in there. Tulane, they've had some success in recent years keeping Willie Fritz. I could certainly make them a contender. But that's a group that if Carolina was to jump into this race – they would have a legitimate shot to land his commitment. And so it'll be interesting to see because somebody else is probably going to hop on that um, You know, with the success that he has had recently. Maybe it could be Carolina jumping in there. Uh, Zach, any other names that are, that are sticking out to you at the quarterback spot or anything on those guys that you think, you know, could, could be, you know, interesting in, in terms of Carolina's chances moving forward? Yeah, I think that this is one that, you know, we're just going to have to be patient here and see sort of how this evaluation goes, um, you know, in 2023, um, you know, recruiting is fluid. It's fluid at, at all times. You know, when you consider things like the transfer portal, when you consider NIL, when you consider all of that sorted together, there's always going to be moving parts. So, you know, it, it's sort of incumbent on the North Carolina staff here to be flexible, but also to try to act quickly here. And, you know, I think ultimately they're probably going to be in on some quarterbacks that we're not even considering at this point, whether it be, you know, mm -hmm. guys that sort of rise up in the ranks or, or guys that just show interest out of nowhere. So I, I think it's going to go, you know, it can go a couple of different ways. We'll just have to be patient and watch and, and you know, see where it goes. Yeah. And in the meantime, Carolina, of course, 
We'll still be doing a lot of work on the recruiting trail as we've seen them do here uh, these last few weeks. Uh, you know, one of the areas I think you got to keep an eye on here moving forward. What do they do with that wide receiver position? So many big-time targets, a lot of guys starting to narrow down their recruitments. Uh, so plenty of uh, you know guys to keep an eye on there, as well as throughout the rest of this class. And we'll have you covered on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Guys, make sure you head over there right now and check it out. Got an article breaking down of the three best options at the quarterback position, in my opinion, for Carolina to try to find – that commitment in the 2024 class. So make sure you guys go check that out. See which three guys made that list uh, for me. So, uh, yeah, you got that on the website. Also, uh, going to have an article going up there about which guy I think could be the next player to commit to Carolina's class. It's not going to be one of the quarterbacks. I think they've got a little bit of work to do there. I don't think it's going to be that easy. But uh, Carolina's, you know, they've been on a little bit of a run here. So which one of the guys do I think could possibly end up being the next guy? Which one of these targets that Carolina has been in contact with could be next? That's on the website as well for you guys. And of course, we are going to have you covered here over the next couple of days as Carolina prepares for the spring game. Josh, of course, will uh, be back on the podcast to get you guys ready for the spring game. But also, I'll have an article previewing the spring game. Uh, Mac Brown is going to talk uh, sometime, I believe, tomorrow. So we will, uh, you know, get some press conference takeaways up from that and we will also have you guys covered on uh game day after the game is over we will uh, be putting up an article there uh with our takeaways from the game so you guys don't want to miss that on the basketball side of things there is some buzz guys that a the commit could be coming here soon for the Tar Heels out of the transfer portal. And it might not just be one. It might be two here over these next couple of days. So keep it tuned to the website. We will have you covered with all of that as Carolina basketball continues to go through one of the most chaotic off seasons in the history of the program. Uh, so that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Guys, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. But for now, I want to thank Zach Hubbard for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.